This is the I Love Success Podcast. I'm Peter Jumrukovsky, and I have made a vow to myself to help as many people as possible to achieve their dreams. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the I Love Success Podcast. I'm really grateful that you're here with us today. And uh, it's a very special episode for me. It's the first episode that I'm recording for 2024, and it's episode 310. So for, for you that has been with me since day one, I salute you. I appreciate you. I hope you learned something. Creating and doing this podcast has truly changed my life. And when I was a kid, I used to watch Highlander, and I don't know how old you are and or if you even watched Highlander, but... One thing that actually happened when he defeated his opponent, he took a sword and cut their head off and all of their knowledge and power went into him. So that's kind of like an analogy, how I feel about doing this podcast. I get to learn from some of the you know best people in the world and I get to share that with you. Uh, if you're on this journey with me, please reach out. Please let me know what's going on in your life and if we can help in any way. Uh, again, this is this knowledge is completely free for you to use and enjoy. But remember, this is very expensive advice that we're giving away for free today. So please be serious about this. Take notes, maybe go back and listen and study success like I have done and that what today's guests have done because it can and will truly change the way you live your life, both in personal and business. So let's get to today's guest. We, we, we have never met in person, even though we're pretty close. I hope we can. Uh, but I, I interacted with him, I think it was a year ago, and I, I was just intrigued by this man and his background. And obviously, he's in real estate, but we're going to talk more about success. He's, he has podcasts, he's coaching, and he's, he's just an overall incredible guy. And I'll let him tell you a little bit more. So welcome, Tristan Aumada, to the I Love Success podcast. Thanks, man. I'm excited to be here. So let's do this. So uh, so let me dig right into this. People that have a great journey, great success, at some point in life, there was pain in order for finding that strength to move on and move further. Can you just share like where this where did this hunger for life begin for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it began early on when when you grow up uh, poor and you grow up watching the people that you love struggle and what it causes emotionally and, and in some cases physically uh, you you start wondering is there something better so that that happens less and and then you start going through and seeing that it is possible the more you expand your your communication with others your relationships and then you start looking at the possibilities of saying oh you know there is something better but it's not easy right? But which route do I choose? Because both of these seem to be very difficult. Uh, I, I would rather go this way, go all in, fail, see where I end up, and maybe I end up in a better place. And how, how did you expand upon this? Because I feel like in life, uh, 
sometimes we we know that there's more to life and we know that we want more but we don't know where to start we and then we meet a mentor or uh, somebody through school through sport or a book like how did how did that realm of possibility start for you and i think it starts it starts as a child your first exposure to the people around you and i think i think i was blessed to to have a mother who who really went all out and said there there's got to be better for for me her right her there's got to be better for my son uh, my mom was 16 when she had me so she was still developing and and so that was my first exposure to the possibilities of hard work and then from there it's everyone you meet that you're that that leave an imprint on you on the possibilities and i think for me it's been the ability to do this in two ways one when i meet people in person at at an event or some place that allows me to connect with them better shows me the possibilities right and then the other one which is more available to most people is books podcasts webinars Uh, for me it was books initially the possibility of of something being so amazing great right looking looking at the best of someone's life through their books i think that for me was very crucial at the beginning, the possibilities through through the greatness of others. Wonderful. And was there any specific books that you picked up that kind of opened the doors for, for you? You know, I think it was a progression. I think for me, even though I was a, a pretty decent reader um, and read history, I'm a history major, right? So I think I think it wasn't until I got married when I was 19. So I was learning through life with my wife, right, in college. I think it really wasn't until I went to a Tony Robbins event in 2006 that I really started understanding the possibility of other people's impact on my life, which kind of coincided with my real estate journey in 2003. Yeah. And then the 2006, and then the debacle of the economy right with the great recession yeah that that combination really had me feeling and and thinking in such a different way that i had to rediscover who i was and how i operate so that i could grow thank you for sharing that and and i'm curious you know i've been i've been in real estate for a while now but i've been a martial artist for all my life and i've seen thousands of people come and go Right? As soon as there's an obstacle for a new belt or a competition that you don't win and you, you realize that the gap is too big and you don't want to do the work. And, and, and I'm sure being in real estate for 20 plus years now, you've seen that yourself. So do you, do you want to share like what was it with you that made you stick around and believing that you could do great things and create a good life by excelling personally, but also through real estate. It's the, it's the, unfortunately it's an answer that sometimes can't be duplicated. Right. Yeah. But it's the, the 
feeling like the deep feeling like there is no other way like yeah. you're backed into a corner yeah. you're you're at the bottom and you're like i either make this work or i'm going to end up doing something worthless at, at least for me right yeah so finding so much purpose in the thing that you've decided to succeed in that there is no other option and i think that separates people and how they approach things because you teach yourself the habits of creating something successful yeah. versus dropping off, not sticking to something, going another way because it was too difficult. So I think the, the reasoning behind why you're doing something is sometimes not focused on. And my reasoning was that I'm living in, I'm living in a room with my mom, married, in college, not, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing, right? I'm having difficulties with everything. I get my real estate license and I see it as my golden ticket because, yeah. you know, I watch real estate agents driving amazing cars and I'm like, I want to, I want to drive a nice car. Yeah. Um, graduated school with a history degree, got into law school, but I'm like, I don't know if law school's for me. So my only opportunity, the way I saw it, if I wanted to get out of that situation was real estate. And yeah. so I, I asked around and I got a great broker. So what do I do? How do I do this? And they outlined it for me. And the thing that I didn't do was overthink it. I didn't plan to plan. Yeah. I just said, what do I need to do? Door knock for six hours today? Great, let's go. Yeah. I didn't say that's not going to work. I'll leave that for once I test this out enough. Yeah. Then I can decide what's working with this and what's not. And I think yeah. that the overthinking becomes a challenge when you're not backed up into a corner and say, well, I have no other option. Yeah. And how do you, like, what do you want to say to people out there that are overthinkers? Because, and I, and I think this is, I think we can all be overthinking, overthinkers in different areas of our life. So I think this could be helpful for all of us. Like how do you have any advice from, from yeah. to overcome that? I got you, man. The overthinking comes, comes into play when we, when we lack when we lack the ability to look at ourselves and realize that we're the problem um and i can tell you that on a relationship level because even though i've been married for 20 i don't know 27 years i think 27 yeah. wow um it wasn't always easy at the beginning i would point fingers and i was i'm like it's your fault right and it wasn't until about year 5 ish that I took responsibility for things not working and it was either I do that or this thing falls apart and it's over again, going to the very bottom and saying, I'm at the bottom here. What, what are my choices? Right. And once you do that enough, unfortunately you do have to sometimes be at the bottom to realize it's your fault. I would love for people to realize it's your fault before getting there. Yeah. Right. But once you realize that you stop overthinking because you realize it's you, you're the, you're the freaking problem. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a hard, hard thing to realize sometimes. And I, I know for myself in my life, I didn't, it's probably five, six, seven years ago now when I decided to take responsibility for everything. It's always my fault and completely changed my life because now I was in the, 
in the driver's seat and I could, you know, change things and I could yeah. look at things and, and, and do better and, and improve myself. Uh, I'm curious, like when, when in your life did you feel like there was a big shift? I've had a few, man. I've had a few shifts and they all, they're all internal. And I think the, there's two more recent ones. One of them was in 2016. And the other one was uh, right when COVID started, but it had nothing to do with COVID. Um, I'll take you through 2016 yeah. uh, one. And this is, this is a great example of how things can happen to you without you doing anything. You just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. And, and it's up to us to decide what we do with that because it hurts a lot. Yeah. So 2016, uh, I had already been like a two, three years into creating lab code agents. I think it was three years in. It was growing super fast. And uh, Facebook had gotten a hold of us. They're like, hey, you guys are amazing. Come up here. Uh, we had companies come out and reach to us, throw, throw money at us and say it'd help us grow. Um, and then Inman had also been really close with us to the point that they gave us an award. They were, um, we were going to an award ceremony oh. at Inman in San Francisco. And I was in a bus with my business partner and some other guy who was a fan of lab code agents. Yeah. And he was, he was drinking and he was spouting out some stuff, some nonsense about how his wife had cheated on him. And it was crazy. I'm just there texting, listening. And, um, and so his rants and his episodes were then, uh, they were offensive to some women in the front, 2016, yeah. August. And October comes around a few months later when Donald Trump was in a bus saying some inappropriate things about women. I don't know if you remember that. No, I don't. And, and um, at that time, then the women in the front, one of them specifically, decided to write an article about her experience in the bus, the one that I was in. Yeah. And she pointed out that it was me and my business partner who had said those things and not the other guy. Yeah. And so when it come, when it came out, I was reading the article and I, I go, who is, who are these guys? They're terrible. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm the one that posted it to lab code agents. I'm like, this is terrible guys. We should not be doing this. Oh my God. Yeah. And, uh, and, then, and then it turns around. They're like, they're talking about you and your business partner. I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. Um, that then propelled other articles to come out and together had millions of views, millions. I was bombarded with texts, messages, um, voicemails, calls with some pretty terrible things. And um, I was at the very beginning of the cancel culture before it had a name. Yeah. And what happened was without verifying that this was me saying anything, I had 
they attempted to cancel me. Yeah. I, I didn't know at the time what it was. Yeah. And so I was fired from Keller Williams, right? Yeah. yeah. I lost one big contract paying a quarter of a million dollars a year. And uh, the other companies though stood by me, Facebook stood by me, Fidelity National Title stood by me. What I started seeing is two things. One, those people who knew me were like, that That doesn't even fit Tristan's character. That's impossible, right? Yeah. So they stood up and defended me. And then the other people that didn't know me were the ones that jumped in and said, who is this guy? He's crazy. He's an idiot. Um, from that, my notoriety blew up in real estate. Yeah. So I became infamous, right? Along with my business partner, the good and the bad. Now, yeah. um, I didn't shut down. I took it full on. And I, I took control of the Facebook group at the time. Uh, and it just started growing massively because of the, the interest online. And then from there, I decided it affected me, by the way, it did affect me emotionally, it affected my wife emotionally, yeah. um, physically, right? We got I got fired from Keller Williams. Yeah. And, and there were other things. But I realized really early on, like day day two, I was like, hey, I think um, I think this is up to me now. Like, how am I going to respond to this? And how do I want people to get to know me now they're now that they're in my world and they're paying attention? So from there, then on, I was a lot more purposeful in the things that I said, who I hung out with. And how I showed up on social media. And, and I took control over it because we can't control what happens to us. We can only control how we respond. Let me ask you this before we, we move on. How it reminds me of, you know, the Michael Jordan quote. I, I'm probably going to butcher it, but I've missed over and over again. And I fail over and on, And that is why I succeed. You can Google the real quote. It's much better than I said it right now. But, <laughs> I like it. Uh, it, it, you said it took you about two days before you made the shift. Yeah. Uh, why do you think it took you two days and not 20 years? Like for some people that we meet, they still talk about an event Good like question, this man. and how their, how their life didn't work out. So in 2000, I had already failed miserably uh, when I was much younger. Um, there was a pretty personal failure I had in my early 20s. But it was during the recession that that really hurt me. It was 2007 for me. Uh, the recession hit me uh, really first because of the clientele that I was helping in real estate. Yeah. It was the lower uh, price points and they couldn't afford anything. So I went from making half a million dollars a year in 2006 to $55,000 in 2007. Yeah. So 2008 at the beginning, um, I experienced for about three to four months, depression, anxiety. I felt like, why is, why is this happening to me? What's going on? Right. What, why is everything against me? Right. And I went through that and I had to discover that it wasn't them it wasn't the situation. It was how I was responding to it. And that was tough. Because of that, though, you fast forward eight years later, 
I was like, oh, I've felt this before. Yeah. That's right. And then I shifted. That's why. Great question, man. Thank you. And yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting because coming from an athlete background, you know, sometimes people ask like, how can you recoup so quickly? And I mean, the, the, the hard answer, I've, I've, I've experienced pain a lot in my life and I've been able to learn that. Do you think you can learn these lessons without going through things like that? And how would you do that? Man, it's tough. I can tell you, I think the pain, pain is required. Yeah. I think pain is required. And in some cases, for some things, you can learn it through other people's experiences, yeah. but you have to be, you either have to dive in deeply into, into their life, either books, podcasts, right? Super deep study it, research it, feel it, or you have to be so close to them that you see what happened, it happens and you feel it because of it. You can experience it that way. In some cases, some people are designed to be able to learn things that way. Yeah. Uh, but I can tell you from my experience, most of the time, you and I are going to have to do the hard work. Yeah. We're going to have to experience the pain. Yeah. And we're going to have to quickly learn and adapt if we want to grow in anything. In anything yeah. Let me ask you this before we go on to the next story. How has being a history major helped you study success? Because I, I got to be honest with you, in school, I never liked history. And I don't really know why, but the more I study success, the more I realize that it's history, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious for a history major, how have how have that helped you when in, in this journey? Great question, man. Uh, history has helped me to, to better cope with what happens around me by understanding that most of the challenges that happen are people problems. Um, most, right? Wars, uh, altercations, challenges, people problems, interpretation of what's happening. And so when I realized that, I was like, that's when I started realizing more. Yeah. Got it. It's, it's within my control. Uh, I don't need, necessarily need to react to somebody saying or doing something to me, right? It's just their reality. And I can change that by either not responding or responding differently. And that's helped me a lot in business as well. Um, but again, I think part of that also comes down to experiencing it. And I yeah. think adding, adding to that and be willing to say, got it, I'm not right. Yeah. And I think be, being willing to say that you're not right all the time, um, that that comes from pain usually right and being so humble and and understanding that you don't have the answers and you need to go and find them from other people yeah and i think like speaking to the audience right now before we move on it's like don't let this be just one of 20 podcasts you listen to in january and over plan and overdue and then go on Instagram post what you're going to do. Like it's, you don't have to listen to 50 or hundred podcasts. You need to figure out what the next step uh, is for you and then go down on the arena because you, you need to get, you need to get bruised. You need to bleed a little bit in order to learn. Uh, yeah. And yeah, let's, let's go into the second, second story. Yeah. So we're looking at April, April, first. So April fools, right? Yeah. 2020. 
we're like a few weeks into officially yeah. COVID. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm in my bedroom. It's 5 a.m. And I, it's my dogs are scratching the door to go out. I have two little dogs. They're like three pounds and seven pounds. They're tiny, man. And so I let them out. And then I, I hear a hurt noise from one of my dogs. Oh. And my, my wife looks out the window and she says, there's something outside. Right. And it's, it's 5 a.m. So it's California. It's not very sunny, a little bit. Yeah. So I rush outside and it's a, it's a coyote hovering over my seven pound dog, Missy. Yeah. And uh, there's blood everywhere. And so instinctively I rush over to, to the coyote and the coyote turns around and hops over the seven foot wall. I hop over it, chase it into the neighbors, jumps over. I realize that my dog's dying. So yeah. I jump back, right? Uh, I jump back and I'm like, I look down and there's blood everywhere. And I go, what do I do? And and she's like, you can feel the breath just leaving off of her. She's like barely breathing and it's cold. So you can see the breath coming out very lightly. There's blood everywhere. And I'm like, I guess she's going to die. So I go inside. I tell my wife at that point, my daughter was awake. My son was still asleep. And then I tell them that what happened. And then uh, they start crying yeah. and I go back outside and then the dog gets up and starts limping towards me with blood dripping everywhere. And I was like, Oh shit, she's not dead. Yeah. Right. So my wife's like, take her to the hospital. So pick her up, take her to the hospital that, but it's COVID. Right. So yeah. it's like, you can't go in and get so so many rules um take her about 24 hours later they say she only got bit through the skin nothing vital got uh, pierced so she recovered well but that day notice that it's not a few months or two days right it's that day uh i look and i say why why did i give up so quickly on on missy on my dog yeah and that question had me ask another deep question which was what else have i given up on in my life that i need to relook at and when i did that i realized it was to me it was like a a big realization so april 1st 2020 i realized i need to be doing more with all of the opportunities that I have in lab coats, I need to be helping out with a lot of webinars. I need to be the voice for real estate during COVID. I need to create different business avenues. We went from one virtual assistant to now 52 virtual assistants. We went from running one company to now have seven companies. We went from running a million dollar business barely to a multi-million dollar, multi-million dollar businesses. Yeah. And it was all because I asked my question, what else am I giving up on too quickly? And I literally went, the first thing I thought of was my wife. 
I've been taking it for granted. What can we do? My health, in this order, my health, my business. And then, and then I thought in this order, I guess my kids too. What can I do more with my kids? And literally all of that changed, man, through COVID. Everything. That is, that is some good stuff. And that is, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a hard question to ask because it hurts. Right. Uh, and yeah, man. And if you're real, look, it's a progression too, because if I would have asked myself that, Peter, a few years back, I don't know that I would have been in the right mindset to answer it truthfully. Yeah. Because that hurt when I asked my question, that question to myself, the responses hurt. I yeah. felt like a failure. I felt like I've gotten here so far and I took so much for granted. Yeah. And I have so many opportunities, but I'm wasting them away. So, um, yeah, that was, that was, that was a big change. Let me ask you this. I think we're talking to a lot of high performers here and you were already a high performer at that stage. Uh, so you must have felt busy and overwhelmed in your life. Uh, and that's why you didn't go deep enough or quote, I wouldn't say neglect, but almost neglected those things. So how did you go from like, I got to make a change when you're already feeling overwhelmed? Uh, how did you decide what to cut and how to get more dial into to actually doing the things that matter? Yeah, great question. So over the years, I realized that anytime I need to change anything, the first thing I need to work on is me first, right? I know I need to work on the way I'm looking at it. So I either have to go deep. I'm a big reader, right? So I either have to find the right books to get me where I want to go. And I don't just read one of that book. I read three to four of the same topic so I can get a similar idea and dive in deep. That's number one. The other one that I do is I journal a lot and I had to write out my thoughts. And as I wrote out my thoughts, I developed processes for me. So mental models to be able to take me to where I needed to go. And I think the clarity happened between reading and writing. Once I took that, I came up with a plan for me and I understood, got it. I'm in my own way. If I just follow this process that I've created based on other people's ideas, theories, and my knowledge, I know I can get to where I want to get to. Um, and then the other piece is taking action and then knowing, here's the hard part, knowing that it's going to be all wrong and you're going to screw it all up and being okay with that. Thank you for sharing that. And curious how do you make time for journaling and reading because i think there's a stat that 90% of people who buy a book never actually read more than the first or the second chapter yeah. and and also you're you're a business guy you you have a family you're already busy and these important things in life in life maybe the most important seem to be neglected by the majority of the world somehow yeah. Because it gets complicated and they always tell you that, I don't know about you, but 
I always heard you should only read one book at a time and, or maybe two. I read about, right now I'm reading 18 different books. Yeah. And um, I realized the way I work is I get a little bit tired of one story. So I'm reading, let's say Einstein. I was reading it this morning. Einstein's um, uh, biography by Walter Isaacson, right? I just jumped back into that one, but I was bored of it for about two weeks, Yeah. right? So I had jumped into rereading uh, Brave New Work by Aaron Digman, right? And I had just finished reading uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's book, uh, Be Useful, Seven Tools for Life, right? Yeah. And then um, I just finished reading a fiction book called Assassin's Apprentice by Robin Hobb. So if I'm reading, I easily alternate between books, like if it's a TV show, yeah. right? And I can leave one book off over here and then go to the next one. Here's the secret, Peter, to reading more, to reading faster and to retaining it because I came up with a process. Yeah. Um, the best thing you can do is, it's costly, but here it is, okay? Download the Audible, get the Kindle book, and you can also get the, the actual book if you want, but Kindle and Audible, you turn on the Audible on 2x speed, and you read the Kindle book, and in some cases, the Kindle book connects to the Audible book, so it reads it for you, and it tells you where it is on the Kindle. And now if I get something that I need, I have four different highlights. I have, uh, it, and it's just the four highlights that the Kindle gives me, uh, but each highlight is different. So the yellow highlight is a quote. I need this quote because I think it's cool, right? That's the one everyone uses. Yeah. Well, red, if I highlight it in red, it's a story. I can reuse that story and I can retell it. Yeah. Red highlight. Blue means it's a re something that was researched that I can use for later. When let's say I'm talking to you and I pull up a research uh, excerpt and I'm like, hey, you know what? This was researched way back in 1985. Blue is researched. And orange then is something that I need to look back and think deeper on. So mm. once I've highlighted it and I'm reading it super fast, 2x speed, I can finish an average book in about four hours right? Because I'm doing that. And on top of that, at the end, because I took notes and I highlighted, I export the Kindle into a note, put it into Notion or a Google Doc. I go through and now I have everything in a doc. I summarize it and I create an acronym for it so I can recall it and I can talk to you about it. So let's say the last book I read that I did this with was Arnold Schwarzenegger's um, Be Useful. I have an acronym and it's C-T-A-S-S-S-B, right? And that can tell you the whole story now. And if I go through it, it's all of his seven tools, right? Which means thinking clearly is C, right? And then I can go through all of them and now I can recall it. So now I have recall, I'm reading fast, and I'm able to just tell you shit at an instant. That created, that process was created through COVID. 
Wow. Uh, thank you for sharing that, that. And this is why I love doing what I do. I mean, right there, it's an amazing tool to elevate your life through learning. So this is definitely something that I'm going to go back to and, and, and study and see how I can implement in my life. So Tristan, let's, let's talk, uh, let's get a little bit more specific, uh, to this year. And there's people out there, they've been hovering, you know, the last three, four years in their business and life, they're kind of stagnant and they are coming into this year. Like most people do this year. I really want to have a transformational year. Okay. How, how would you lay that plan out? I would start with who you're, who you're consistently associating with. So it's two-dimensional here. One is the people around you, the people that you're around most physically, and then the people that you're around virtually consistently. So um, podcast, webinars, books, social media, right? Who is that circle and who is the circle in real life? And for me, um, I wasn't always able to have people that had reached the levels that, that I wanted to reach yeah. around me. But if I went to Barnes and Nobles, I could certainly find somebody there, yeah. right? So yeah. that's what I ended up doing. And I learned so much from podcasts. So podcasts like yours, I learned a lot from reading a lot. And I take time to, so if I'm listening to a podcast, I take time to actually learn. I don't passively listen. I, I use every opportunity to be able to see how I can apply it to my life and how I can teach it to others if it's appropriate. Um, I'll tell you, yesterday I downloaded something you'll like it it's called let me get the app um it's called snip d s n i p d yeah and it's ai podcast player so what it is i tested it out yesterday i think i heard about it is it good dude i'm so surprised because i take a lot of notes when i'm listening yeah. to a podcast and i would have to pause it go to notion put in my notes, right? Yeah. Um, and now I literally, I was listening to um, Shane Parrish's latest podcast uh, and I literally clipped it and it plays it and you can share it. I shared it in, I shared it on Instagram. I shared it with a few messenger groups I have. I'm like, this is super cool. Amazing. I love it. 2024, right? Dude. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Dude. Uh, yeah. So proximity, that's the first step, right? Yeah, good uh, word. I mean, I'm going to ask you a question on that, yeah. on proximity. How important was that for you in developing your, your martial arts career, proximity? So I'm from a small karate club. My father is my sensei. I was kind of the first person in our club starting to compete. Uh, so we didn't have a track record except for that. My father is like an all in kind of person and was loving karate and was so passionate about it. So we had to learn from others, uh, through going to training camps. Then I got to the national team. 
Uh, then you go to train with some of the better people. And I would say we were able to reach a very high level by still staying in my hometown, traveling a lot and becoming the best in the nation and also becoming third in the world. I would say though, if I would have moved to France to train in a club with eight world champions, I'm sure I would have been better. Okay. But I uh, like the proximity you had to your dad. I mean, how yeah. close that's like right there. Right. Yeah. And that's a relationship. I mean, if, if I look at it, you know, I'm trying to redefine success. Would I, if I go back, move to France and don't have this deep relationship with my dad and become a world champion. Uh, I, if I have to answer that question, I, of course, my dad is more important. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it's an interesting analogy. And I guess everybody's fighting their own battle. They have their own journey. Yeah. Uh, that reminded me of something, man. I think you, when you asked me the question, what should we be doing for 2024 to succeed? Um, one of the, one of them should be a realization that you're just not doing enough. You, yeah. Anybody listening in, you're not doing enough. Yeah. I'm not saying you're not enough, right? I'm just saying you're not doing enough. Yeah. And you have to answer that question. What does that mean for you? Where could you be doing more? And when you realize that, I think what pushes you and keeps you thinking that and feeling that yeah. is the proximity to yeah. other people that are doing things that you want to achieve. Yeah. And if you allow them to be able to pull you up, then you start getting to where you want to get to. So um, it's true that the people that you hang out with, uh, eventually you become similar to them, but it's because they're either going to pull you out or you're not going to be accepted into the group because you suck, right? Yeah. You And so here's the other piece to this. And I learned it from a book uh, by Charlie. It was actually a speech by Charlie Munger. Yeah. Uh, it's Warren Buffett's partner. He just died in November. May he rest in peace. Yeah. Yes. And he said that one of the most important things we can be as humans is reliable. Yeah. And so when you're around these amazing people, if you're the one that's reliable consistently over a long period of time and you're around them, opportunities are going to come to you just because you show up consistently. And, and I think that combined with showing up in the right circles with the right people yeah. is important. I like that. Uh, this is what I did uh, this year. I'm curious what you think about this. So I set, I wrote up a top 10 list with my top 10 goal. And then I asked myself the question, what is the number one goal that if I hit it, all other goals will fall into place? Mm. Uh and then I choose that goal. And then I did mindset. This is what I'm pulling up the document here. It actually, I actually wrote this down. Exactly what you said. Mindset. When you think you've done enough, double the effort. Yeah, I like that, man. Yeah. And I would say once you're doubling the effort, um, get clarity as to what that means, right? Yeah. What does that mean if you double the effort? Sometimes when we're when we hear things like 10x or 2x. Yeah. It doesn't create any clarity. It creates momentum. Yeah. But that momentum can end if you don't have clarity. Like, what does that look like every day? Action steps, weekly. How does that change a month from now? So I like that. I like that a lot. Awesome. Let me read you something. I had a, 
women on my podcast and we were emailing this uh, new year. Let me see if I can find it here. And she, I told, I asked her about to come on and talk about goals. And she wrote this, uh, she's an Olympic silver medalist. And people always asking me for secrets, but I don't have any. My brain ju just doesn't shine in that way. I am much more of a do what you love, head down, work hard, accept the defeats and hammer on towards what you don't even think, realize at the time might be possible. I think if I set goals, I would set them too low. I like to push towards the impossible and some days I fail, but other days I reach past what I ever could have imagined. That's beautifully said, man. I I would agree with that. And I think if if she would think of uh, if she would add to that, because I, I know that with her success, I know she's done this. Yeah. Is that she's also created um an internal operating system for herself on how she functions daily. Because we all have challenges. We yeah. all have setbacks. We all go through shit days. We all get angry, sad. Yeah. Um, and how we handle the emotions allows us to continue to move forward and still know that there's a lot more there. And I think being able to have an operating system, an internal operating system that allows you to grow and to always look for the opportunity, I think that's important. Let me ask you this. So I was at the gym December 31st. Everybody was traveling, of course. Nobody was there. There was much other motivation in people's mind. And then I went January 1st as well. And it was crazy <laughs> with people. Like they even had their hat on the side, were jumping around. Everybody was wow. posting on social media. It was it was like a jungle there. And I, I go to Gold's Gym and it was like, it was so incredible to see that new shift in energy. Yeah. But what makes me sad because I'm a lifelong learner, I know that in a couple of weeks, this is all gone because people are, first of all, they don't know why they're doing what they're doing. And second, they don't pace themselves. So what do you want to share with people here today that like, they're, they're very excited about this year. Yes. But then for some reason they have like in the past in March, it's all gone and they're struggling again. So what, yeah. is, what is that shift? I think consistent discipline is freedom, right? Consistent discipline is freedom. And I think the the challenge that a lot of us face is that we tell ourselves that tomorrow is going to be the day or yeah. we wait because we look at, we see the world in blocks of weeks, months, and years. So sometimes we could be halfway through the year and say things like, wow, there's, this year's gone to shit already. Forget it. I can't wait until next year, Right. And the challenge with that is that mindset doesn't allow you to change right now. And, and that, that takes consistent discipline in, re, in a reminder that everything is changing all the time. Even our, even our blood cells, our body changes every day. Yeah. Well, so why don't you change right now? You don't have to wait until new year. You don't have to wait until the month is over. But a lot of us in business, we have this idea that uh, we operate in quarters, we operate in months, we operate in year, right? Uh, but once you remove all that, you start understanding that the success that we have 
is in the processes that we create and how we execute them daily. And that creates the freedom and success that we want. I love that. How have you been able to remove that when you're around like the real estate industry, everybody this month, next month, this quarter, or if you work in a corporation now, or if you, if you listen to this and you, your, your company is being publicly traded eh, where the next quarter is everything. Like, how do yeah. you live in that world, but operate different, differently up here? Yeah. Um, I think those are important, obviously. Right. But I look. I think I get angry when I look at that. I hate KPIs, key performance indicators, yeah. the financial ones, they, they make me angry yeah. because you miss the important piece to that. And that's the human aspect. Yeah. So I think if you take a step back and say, well, that's great that we got there, but how, how was everyone while we got there? Yeah. Let me go to, let me go to Peter and ask him, Peter. How are you feeling? Like we did so great last year or we did bad or whatever we did. How, how is your year, man? How was your month? How was your week? What are you going through right now? Yeah. And instead of focusing on the output, we need to focus on the human level of, of our emotions. Like how are we feeling? And if we fix that, we realize that we can live better lives. And I think we, we miss that completely in, in the U.S. specifically. Uh, I'm sure other countries do amazing with it, but or and some do terrible too, like us. But there's too much emphasis on the out on the financial output and not enough on the emotional output. I love that. Thank you for talking about that. And I I like I've been talking about this a lot lately. I believe in kindness. I believe that the day, like especially in the real estate industry, that the sharks win. The best people that I've ever met, they're tough, but they're super kind. They believe in winning for all parties. So uh, I think it's it's like if you truly trust that process, you're going to be so much happier and also better off financially. Yeah, man. I think there's a lot there's a lot of great things that can happen when you focus on people. Yeah. Because you, there's a, there's only so much money can fill. Yeah. Right. The rest of it is based on relationships and those relationships are based on people. And that's why we're here. Right. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. Awesome. I know you got to go in five minutes. So we're just going to, uh, you know, finish off what what didn't i ask you that you would wanted me to ask you and how can we share that um i think you asked some great questions man thank you what you didn't ask me is i would say probably what we should focus on as far as uh, the order of importance yeah. for our personal lives. And I think we touched on it a little bit, yeah. but I think a lot of us, even though we say we want to focus on being better, right? Internally, our health, um, being there for our families, um, we end up reversing it because of the importance of money, right? Yeah. We all need money. It is important. 
but we shifted and we put money at the top and then money determines how we function with everything else right and if you just reverse it and put yourself on top first spiritually emotionally mentally physically right if you put you first then your self determines how you function with everything else and that means if you're putting yourself first most of the time you show up with better energy most of the time you look for the opportunities most of the time you realize that you could have done a better job you could have treated somebody nicer you could have been different with somebody else most of the time you're going to realize that it all comes down to you and it's your responsibility how you treat your family how you function with friends how your business is doing and everything else that's a great insight and um, before i let you go i just want to say something that i learned i learned it once from tony robbins and then i learned it reading patrick that david's uh, new book choose your enemies wisely and he said you can quickly see how successful somebody is going to be at the level of urgency for them to take action after acquiring new information. So true. So there it is, guys. Uh, What are you going to do with this? Uh, Tristan, I'm so grateful that you took the time. I've been been chasing you for a couple of months now. We made it happen. We made it happen. I knew the reason why I wanted to talk to you for a longer time. Uh, Tristan was very, uh, not tri- his, his scheduler said only 30 minutes and said, I can't do 30 minutes because I know we're going to talk more. And yeah. I know we could probably talk for another couple of hours, but we could. Uh, either way, thank you so much for your time. If people want to connect with you, work with you, like where can they find you? Instagram's the easiest. It's Tristan.ahumada. Yeah. That's it. Tristan, it's Tristan Aumada, but I phonetically pronounce it right. A-H-U-M-A-D-A. Perfect. We'll put your Instagram in the uh, show notes as well. Uh, and to everybody out there listening, thank you for being here with us today. To ask for an hour of your time in 2024 feels like a, a lot, but we are happy that you're here. If you enjoy this show, please share it with somebody that really needs to hear this message. And that's it, guys. I'll see you next time.